Hello, welcome along to Man in the Mirror. Hayden Williams here. Hope you're doing good. Uh, if you haven't listened to Man in the Mirror before, it's a podcast where each week I talk to a male guest or guests about their life and work. And I have a look at their bathroom cabinet and uh, they tell me about some of the key items in their morning and evening routines. We also touch on self-image, self-care and what they really think about the man that looks back at them in the mirror. I um, hope you're having a good week. Uh, I'm just outside London. It's been horribly kind of snowy and then rainy and really cold, which is, isn't ideal for, for March, but hopefully better weather is on the horizon. Um, this week, I went into central London and did another in-person podcast, which is great, and it's really nice to spend a bit of time with the guest and um, chat more openly and you know see the whites of each other's eyes. So I went into central London to to chat to James Dashwood Chase, who is the founder of Baz & Co. Now, Baz & Co. are a new skincare brand with basil as the hero ingredient. Now, we'll talk a lot more about the reasons for it and how it all came about and, and what the unique aspects of the brand are. But um, I had a really interesting conversation with, with James. He talks a bit about his his of history as well in, in business and some of the other brands he's worked on. So um, you'll get to hear more about that. But um, I think you're going to enjoy this chat. It's James Dashwood Chase, who is the founder of Baz & Co. And it's Man in the Mirror. Here we go. Welcome along to another episode of Man in the Mirror. It's Hayden Williams here and I'm in West London, um, back out on the road again and delighted to be doing a face-to-face -face chat with James Dashwood Chase, who is the founder of Baz & Co. Hi, James. Hi, Hayden. Great to be here. Thank you so much for making time to do this today. Yeah, you're a new dad. We've been talking before the podcast started and you have a, a baby daughter who's a, a recent arrival. So your world's been sort of thrown upside down in the best possible way recently so how, how's all that going yeah good. We, you can you guys uh you guys listening probably cold that hayden can can see my bags under my eyes but, um, <laughs> no, no. We're, we're about six weeks in and um yeah i can can be happier and we're getting our routine kind of nailed down and um, i'm absolutely over the mood and loving new fatherhood yeah amazing and your yeah. daughter's clara is that right clara yeah exactly so um yeah we were i think we're in honeymoon in italy and um Love, love the name and um yeah, oh it's wonderful and great so i'm actually been getting into loads of baby massage oils and uh cosmetics for toddlers which is oh fantastic yeah. great great yeah and i should say as well i mean some people might know you as james chase because we'll, we'll get into your your cv and the other things you've done but is james dashwood chase because you've taken your sort of sharing your your wife's surname as well yeah we we had a few discussions um very progressive thing i think for us both to do but we wanted clara to grow up um parents that you know had the same surname and Tor was obviously incredibly proud of her her family name and wanted you know to keep that alive um in respect of our family so yeah we took the name the decision to to get the name dashwood chase which we which we love um, yeah and to get into the habit of uh <laughs> Yeah. And are you are you changing? Are you doing those kind of practical things like changing passports and everything? You know, driving license and all those things. Uh, yeah, so our, our passport's been been done. I mean, Tor is a, an, an immense uh, organizer, and she's lazy. Take her decision to do everything <laughs> straight away. So just the things like social media and and updating everything. But um, yeah, but yeah, it's 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 definitely a a, a, new, a change in the right direction. I love it. I love it. And and as you say, I guess it's that's happening a bit more now and, and, and people you know the, the woman woman not necessarily wanting to lose all traces of her name I think it makes a lot of sense 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's, you know, definitely within my friendship group, there's been lots of, you know, questions and debates about name changes. And I think, um, you know, it's an absolutely right thing to do. Um, obviously, there's then decisions for when Clara has her kids, maybe, and what those names are and different things. Yes. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I got in touch with you and um, I'd, I'd seen Baz and Co., online and, and, and um, you know, seen a few people that I respected talking about the product. I mean, first of all, we should explain what it is and what Baz & Co means. It's not, it's not short for your Uncle Barry or anything like that. It's the, ba- the Baz is, oh, sorry for such a dad joke. Um, the, ba- the Baz is Basil. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great if you'd tell me a bit more about him, what, what Baz & Co is. Yeah, absolutely. So we we have a few customers now actually called Baz. Um, so that, <laughs> they're probably not like for the uh, efficacy and more for... Uh, it's like having personalised products. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a great believer in in brand names and the power of a, a really strong yeah. brand and what, what that can do for the customer. Um, but this, the, yeah, the story really starts in our hero ingredient, which is basil, or the Greek basilicus. Right. Uh, which actually means king in Greek. Oh, does it? Um, and basil, uh, as we'll chat in a bit, but basil is our, is our hero ingredient, you know, more so because it's incredibly packed with a ton of antioxidants and anti-inflammatory properties, but particularly thrives in what's, what's called a vertical farm, which is something I'm really passionate about championing and getting behind and trying to really move the narrative in, in cosmetics and male cosmetics in particular about steps we need to be taking towards sustainability and you know, vertical farming definitely comes with its challenges, but uh, is, is kind of leading the charge in terms of innovative farming, you know, that's, that's doing things very sustainably. And currently there's three products in the Baz & Co range. There's a sort of shower gel, a moisturiser and a face wash. Yeah, absolutely. This I've got a little wash bag. Oh, here it is. Well, so I've got some treats here today <laughs> later, but yeah, so um, we do... Uh, I, I was all about the that's really, you know, producing a really simple yes. three-step routine. And, and you, I don't know if you probably agree with me, but by the very nature, I think men are, uh, are very simple creatures. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it, it it certainly helps, doesn't it, to have a, a, a very kind of straightforward, tight regime. I mean, yeah. I've, you know, I've experienced on this podcast and different people I've chatted to, it can range, the whole gamut ranges from people who want a kind of 10-step Korean skincare regime that would, yeah. sounds like it would take half an hour before you know before you leave the house yeah to the other extreme of someone who's just oh just a bit of soap and water but i think yeah definitely a kind of tight three-step program is is something that you know any man can build into his regime and um and i guess for you as a as a brand with Mazenko, it's quite easy to explain and articulate what, what that sort of process is yeah d- definitely so for, yeah for me it was it was getting that you know getting that three-step routine pinned down and that you know that started with a, a body wash which it, I you know this the smell for me is so invigorating it moves then on to a two-in-one exfoliator cleanser for the face yep and then we finish up with our skin food moisturizer which we use for the face and it's all about you know feeding your skin yeah so those three steps are I kind of have my brother as a bit of a barometer because he's um he's probably a typical Baz customer he's a, you know he's in his like late 30s but he's a he's a farmer so not your kind of city slicker yeah um, that you would expect, but I, I always say that if Harry can understand it and get into it, and then you know, I, I definitely think then there's opportunity for lots of other people to do. And you know, those three things I think are really important in terms of 
looking great, smelling fantastic. And then as, as you kind of champion and looking in the mirror and having some confidence. And that's, you know, through my story that I really wanted men to to have confidence, not not arrogance, because there's a fine line. But, indeed, but, indeed. But have confidence. And I think that's so important for men to, to do that in a world that, you know, is, is very uh, full on and, and stressful. And as we all know, self-care now is, you know, it's really important. Yeah. yeah. And James was kind enough to send me um, the three-step program to have a play with before we met a few weeks ago. And um, I mentioned to him beforehand, I've, I've incorporated them all in, into my routine and, and our shower cubicle now, I've got the... Um, the cleanser and body wash and um, really great, you know, they do what a product I think should do, which is, you know, they're effective, they smell good and and make you feel good. But I think what's what's interesting with Baz actually is is that it is a different kind of aroma. You know, we'll talk more about the the story and, and the kind of narrative behind the brand. But, it, you know, using basil is not something I've experienced before, I don't think, in, maybe it's been there, but I've never not known it but it's a real hero ingredient here and, and what that means to the user is it just it smells really great you've got this sort of aromatic quality to it but also kind of a nice punchy kind of minty freshness as well so really you know i've been loving using it and um yeah the cleanser's got an exfoliating quality which is great so that's sort of in my morning routine now and yeah i've really been enjoying the the moisturizer too it's, it's great stuff and recently you picked up what well, you've been made one of the brands of tomorrow through warpole who are the kind of body who oversee the luxury industry so that's a real kind of uh, real kudos thing isn't it yeah it was it was huge news i mean warpole's been going i think since 2007 and yeah it's a it's a, it's a luxury body that champions british craft yeah. basically and there's some fantastic members alone in in the group but they they offer this kind of mentoring program every year where they take on around 12 brands yeah you know with a turnover up to five million doing something generally different and then they get paired up with a mentor and then kind of almost like a therapy session where brands <laughs> then react and interact with each other uh and share you know share stories share challenges whether that's cost of acquisition or website malfunctions and then every month we we do specific classes whether that on accounting or marketing mm. or branding and IPO, you know, Michon de Rea, uh, the law firm who's partnered with the programme. So, yeah, it's been great to see. And I know a, a fellow um, podcast uh, caster has been on, I think, ACT London. Yes. Those guys. Yeah. They're, they're, they're great fun, those two, and they're, they're part of the programme. We've got another cosmetic brand in there called One Pure. Right. Founded by this amazing driven guy called Nate. Um, it's all about scalp care for, for women. And then there's other brands in there, um, but I'm, I'm immensely inspired by the past uh, veterans of the program, uh, brands like Orwell Brown, wow. Brown, Bremel Watches, yeah. and um, my favourite, Private White VC jackets from oh, Manchester. Yeah, and they really all, stuff. We've all done this program, and I think for a startup brand, no matter your background, you all, all want to be taken seriously. And that yeah. program was, um, yeah. And it must be great as well to have to someone, uh, you know, other brands and, and founders to, to bounce off and say, you know, did you experience that issue or what would you do about that? Because, um, you know, obviously you've got friends and, and people in business who could help, but it must, having people who've been through that same journey and got specific experience in your sector must be really invaluable. Yeah, there's like a WhatsApp group now. Oh, is there? Yeah. There always, there's always a WhatsApp yeah, group, isn't there? The chap um, on who does Difference Coffee and he was looking for advice on, you know, Shopify websites. And, you know, it's just, a, it's like a safe group with people that, you know, share similar brands and, 
I think it's so important to, to grow. You have to learn and you have to work with other people to, you know, to develop skills. So yeah, yeah, we're super happy to be on it. And I'm a huge Walpole uh, fan. Um, yeah. And, then the, so. and in fact, it was Nick Carvel, who, who is another, God, it's also incestuous, another previous guest on the podcast who works with Walpole, who I think I, I sort of alerted me to, to Baz and Co. So I have Nick to, to thank for the introduction. But I mean, you, you touched on it briefly when you talked about the brand, but I think what's, What's really interesting about Baz and Co, and I'm seeing it a lot more, as I'm sure we all are, with with our brands now, that we, we're we're much more interested in the the provenance and the story and what a brand is doing in terms of sustainability and you know the the, the sort of impact they're they're making on the planet. And and with Baz and Co, I was really interested in this idea of vertical farming because I guess sometimes, like you know whether it's fragrance or skincare, whatever it is, you know, we, we can be unaware of the impact that using the raw ingredients or, or the materials that go into the product, we, we're, we might be unaware of how that impacts the planet and we need to be more aware of that stuff. So what does vertical farming do and, and how is that a kind of step forward with Basinco? Yeah, well, I, I grew up on a rural farm in, in Herefordshire and right. you know, I was immensely... Um, those experiences have, have definitely, you know, shaped my life. And fast forward to today, we've come out of COVID. We are, we're, we're an island nation with temperamental weather. And as we've seen with, you know, supermarket shelves running out, uh, our supply chain, you know, is incredibly fractured. And Brexit probably hasn't helped. But I, you know, I, I speak to my brother almost on a, on a daily basis about his struggles because he, you know, he's still a commercial farmer. And that, that something needs to change, you know, and we, we're... With climate change, you could say that we're getting better weather, which uh, is one thing that we might be able to grow crops all year round. But for instance, we, we have a government that's probably not as focused on on supporting farmers as they should right. be. And we've all probably watched Clarkson's Farm on Amazon. Yeah. And I think he's done an amazing job. Says probably the wrong thing on some occasions, but um, um, yeah. <laughs> but he, he's done an amazing job to shine the light on farming and farming has, you know, a lot of people think that farmers have an easy life. But, you know, it's it's very tough out there. And that's partly driven from supermarkets having such a stranglehold on farmers. Yeah. And, and they dictating the terms. And, oh, totally. And, yeah. you know, it's a luxury to have a £3.50 chicken, right, from, from a supermarket. But you've then got to look at the livelihood and uh, the margins and everything else in that, you know, even to buy milk cheaper than mineral water, I think, is an, an absolute disgrace. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, without me ranting about farming too much, it, the, the supply chain is definitely broken, but there's some amazing entrepreneurs now that are championing new farming techniques. And just a bit like Elon Musk, they've come from a different space. Mm. You know, like Elon was in PayPal and kind of went into rockets and electric cars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, these vertical farmers have all kind of gone into the you know, a new space. So, yeah, really, vertical farming is growing indoors in a controlled environment, and that control piece is, is super super important and then via artificial light um these farms are able to you know grow crops with 90 percent less water um wow and I, I, I was looking earlier you know it, rough rough stats uh one liter of water will will grow a, a you know, significant amount of uh of, of lettuce uh in a vertical farm whereas 20 i think it's about 20 liters of water you need the same amount in a greenhouse but then in an open field you need about 250 liters of water so the water savings huge. There's low food miles. That's so incredible. The yield is massive, and um, you know the main thing in a cosmetic space. There's no herbicides or pesticides. So of um, course, it's right. it's almost 
beyond organic. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And Basim Co partners with a, a fantastic entrepreneur called um, James, and he he's he's built out the Jones Food Company that have um, a couple of sites, one up in Scunthorpe, um, that produces around 30% of all the UK's basil now, which is extraordinary. And right. um, I'll, I'll show you later a, a little film. And it's 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 almost like Mike TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's like, <laughs> it's bloody cool when you see this facility. And yeah. then they're just opening up a new site uh, near Bristol, which, uh, which is really paving the way forward. Look, vertical farms aren't going to grow all of our crops and ingredients, but they're definitely going to you know, provide uh, a, a certain part of that mm. piece. So we're less dependent on imports um, and we can grow more leafy greens and botanicals here, which I only think is a good point. And more particularly, you know, more and more people are living in cities now. So if we yeah. can grow food where people are. Yeah, um, less food miles. And oh, definitely. Mm. And and if, the, if those scientists can then really develop better food, i.e. packed with more nutrients, which a lot of these Michelin star chefs now are really getting behind, then I think that's fantastic. But mm. on, a, on a cosmetic space, you know, I'm really interested in those, you know, in those benefits. And there's definitely some criticism, you know, in terms of electricity usage and, uh, you know, the need on that. But, um, you know, but Jones Food Company are really, really proud to um, uh, to run their, their site off renewable energy. Right. Um, and I think the, the, you know, the kind of pure saving and efficiencies greatly outweighs, you know, any of those negativities. So it might be a silly question, but then is is the basil that, that they're growing for you, is it exactly the, is it, you know, he's growing his basil for you know, to, to sell in the supermarkets and salads and everything else. Yeah. Is, is that exactly the same basil that you get for Baz & Co? Is it kind of separated out in a certain, you know, there's your stuff over there in that corner and the rest of it's over there. Does it does it make any difference? You could just have any basil that he's producing in this vertical farm, could you? Yeah, they, they, we've done a few trials. Ultimately, I need a really high concentration of essential oils. Yeah. And it's, I haven't got the exact stats, but... I mean, you need a huge amount of basil to make a very small concentration of, of essential oil. And, um, you know, in, in, that, in that mix, um, we need a really high-yielding crop that is, you know, is absolutely packed with the right things that we need to distill that into an essential oil. So, you know, and, and Basin Co., all the ingredients aren't grown, you know, in a vertical farm, but it's, it's my step to, you know, to, to definitely provide a, a good proportion of them. Mm. And then I'm trying to build that out so, you know, one day that we can, we can pretty much grow, you know, those crops centrally, but it, yeah, it, it's part of the process, and it's um, you know, it, it, it's so interesting to see you know to see the space develop. Yeah, and I should say, um, James's background, as, as he mentioned, is is farming, and actually, your previous business was in in spirits. So, you, so Chase Distillery had vodka and gin. So you you, you know you the, the, knowing about the land and knowing about ingredients has been part of your your life and, and work for, for a long time. Yeah, d definitely. Uh, so yeah, I grew up in North Herefordshire, which, I mean, Herefordshire as a county has got 60,000 people. So it's very, very That's rural. Yeah. It's on the way to Aberystwyth and not many people are off to Aberystwyth in a hurry. <laughs> if they go <laughs> yeah. to university. I had a friend who went to yeah. uni there. Yeah, um, so, but it, 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 it's, it's, it's a beautiful place. And we've, you know, we, my family have been farming there for, you know, two, two three generations. Right. Um, my father was, was one of very few people that, you know, we didn't take on a huge farm, but that farm was called Tyrrell's Court. And uh, yeah, we, we, we traded potatoes. We had some really tough years. And my father mm -hmm. is definitely a, a, a hugely entrepreneurial guy that, no day, no day is ever the same with him, mm. um, and, you know, and, and that led us to trying to create some brands. And, and in a really simple history, we, uh, yeah, we we started the brand Tyrrell's Crisps 
fully aware. Um, love your work. Uh, which which are great. Not good for the waistline, but great for a, great for a snack. But they were definitely part of that. My limited crisp knowledge, but th that sort of premium movement and making it about interesting, good flavors and and about a premium quality, which they seem to sort of you know ride the crest of the wave with that, and and still one of the biggest brands in that space, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, house. house is that still in the family business? Yeah. So the the, the brand we we sold off, but we still own the farm. Right. And my mother is still really involved in the business. She she we do all of their you know a lot of their logistics and distribution. Yeah. So that, you know, that, and they still get made on Tyrrell's Court Farm, which we're immensely proud of. Yeah. Um, and is it a global brand now? They... Yeah, I mean, the Americans couldn't get their name around. T T Tyrell, Tyrrell's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, def it definitely grew. And, and that led on to the distillery when, you know, we were lucky enough to start traveling around. And in 2007, 2006, Barack Obama pulled down the jurisdiction for legal still sizes and we were over in America researching deep fat frying. Where else would we go other than America to, to learn about <laughs> the, the, home home, the home of deep fat frying? Yeah. And when we were out there, we kind of stopped by in some bars on the way back through Manhattan. And, and there was these freaking amazing craft spirits that were just coming out. Flavorful bourbons, full on like, you know, vodkas with flavor. And we were just super inspired and came back to the UK. Did, you know, didn't see any innovation in that space. Mm. Kind of Gordon's, uh, Bombay, maybe, and Hendrix were your kind of ultimate premium yep. gin space. Yep. And, you know, if you guys go to a gin shelf now, say, in Waitrose, you'll massive, yeah, probably have like sorts. 20 over 30 quid. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's crazy. So, but back then, 2006, seven, it didn't, didn't happen. Barack Obama said to pull these still sizes down and the craft scene boomed in America. And I always say, and kind of similar to the space we're in now, America very much starts these trends and then we'll, we'll inherit them, mm. you know, a bit, a bit later. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's certainly what, what's happened with that movement. So, we, yeah, we came back to the UK really simply, realised we had a huge amount of smaller potatoes, too small to make crisps. So instead of feeding them to the cows, um, we've got a, a, an amazing herd of Hereford, uh, Paul Hereford cattle. Instead of feeding them to the cows, we, um, we decided to build a distillery. <laughs> <laughs> and Chase Distillery was born in 2008 amongst um, the financial crisis and Lehman Brothers collapsing and uh, the height of the copper price, I remember, um, when we were buying all this equipment. So, yeah, we instilled the stills and, and then Chase, more so timing. I think we really timed the market well and we... You know, we started with vodka because that was from the potatoes that surround the field. And we really wanted to go after a wine approach where single estate was yeah. important, yeah, yeah, field, yeah. field to bottle. And then the gin came a few years later and it, it was an amazing journey. And it, and it allowed me to, to travel the world. And, you know, we'll talk a bit about that in a minute, but I really opened my eyes to to luxury brands, to traveling, but but also to the cocktail world, which mm. which is insane. And it's all about, you know, flavor, theater, romance. You know, it's 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 a fantastic industry. But um, the distillery, yeah, allowed me to travel the world and we we grew the brand very quickly. And then as we see now, you know, the market has then been absolutely saturated with startup yeah. and, uh, gin distilleries. And, yeah. and now uh, is Diageo bought Chase Distillery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was huge, huge news. We we agreed as a, a, a as a board and a team that you know this can either very much be a family company, or we or we can you know we can look for a partner now within within mm. the business. And uh, once we had agreed to do that, my dad and I went out to start finding the right suitors. Um, and Diageo were very quickly keen to come in on an exclusivity basis. And then COVID happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Seemed to have all these sort of. Big, um, big events, don't you? Yeah, uh, when you're about to do these things. Uh, and I, m I remember m I was living in Chicago at the time, and I m remember moving back with my mum in North Herefordshire. Why were you in Chicago? America was a key market for us to oh, grow, right. and and Chicago, 
A, because I love the film Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> <laughs> and B, it's a really good centrally located yeah. airport. And if anybody hasn't been to Chicago, I thoroughly recommend it because I think that's, that's proper America. Yeah. Whereas I think New York and, and LA say, well, they're m- amazing cities. Chicago is like, you know, for me, it's like proper, yeah, proper yeah. Americana. And, yeah. and I loved, loved it there. You know, dr- drank a huge amount um, in, in the industry, but it, uh, it immensely, immensely... Um, it's important to, you know, to building the, the Chase brand and getting it listed there. It's probably a lot harder than we thought because it, since 2006, when we probably were last out there, you know, the market was absolutely saturated now with local brands. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of seen that here that, you know, most places want to stock a local brand yeah, support yeah. a local brand or you're a multinational with a massive check. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, then COVID came in, moved back with mum and uh, we started to make sanitizer. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, we, because we, we, because we're field to bottle. Yeah. We had the ability to, you know, to make raw alcohol. Right. Uh, which very few course. distillers, because they were using neutral grains for it, didn't. So yeah, so it was an amazing time and then dishing out to local communities and police services and the mm. local force. So, and that was great. And then, and then with Diageo came back online because um, I think they, you know, they, they've, they came back online very keen to to have a first English distillery acquisition and then that completed in, in March 21. Um, and then I stayed on with the brand for another six months integrating. And then, you know, as far as brand ownership now, we, we're, we're out. Mm. Um, but we, we, like with Tyrrells, we still own the, the farm and they're on a long-term lease and, and I really hope they stay there and invest in the area. And Herefordshire is an amazing county. And I think, you know, these brands really help the local economy and yeah, employing course. people. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it was an amazing chapter in my life. And, uh, so it's two huge <laughs> yeah. success stories already yeah. in the family. And then yeah. with Baz & Co, I mean, why, why did you go to men's skincare, first of all, with Baz & Co? Was that a deliberate... Did, did you see a space there or was it something that you were particularly interested in? Yeah, I, th- I think I, 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 during Chase, I was always interested in the, in the space. Going through my own journey in Chicago, I was living on my own. I was drinking probably every day and I got into this unhealthy cycle where I probably wasn't my best self. I I wasn't helping things by my diet. And I discovered, you know, a a natural skincare routine. And they they do have a really good um, shops out there that, you know, that really have a a fantastic selection of of Mm. skincare and self-care. And like I said before, those guys are often on a few trends earlier than us, but yeah. Yeah, I think it was in one of the shops out there and I met an amazing assistant and she just taught me the power of looking after yourself. And getting a good routine. Getting a good routine. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you know, having that, not necessarily from a beauty point of view, but I, I really found that a morning routine really shaped the rest of my day. So it, um, by, by, by getting that routine done, looking in the mirror, I'd probably more likely then get out walking or, or go for an exercise uh, and then probably have a healthier lunch, maybe a salad mm. or an evening. But it was a it was a subconscious thing that I did every morning that then really helped me. And and then yeah, post the acquisition, then looking at new categories to disrupt. The problem was I couldn't find you know a natural skincare brand that was targeted for men. And if they were out there, they probably used words like thunder and steel, and maybe were <laughs> David Beckhamified. Um, and and from a farmer, I really wanted something that was supernatural that yeah. was targeted to me because I think. Men, not yeah. yeah the, the products are fantastic with efficacy, but people buy brands because of the way that it makes them feel. Yeah, and I, I want you know wanted something that I could buy into that you know that that, that made me feel great. And I just I couldn't find that, and and then discovering you know here we are now discovering your podcast, and it's and then it's now great, so great to see so many entrepreneurs come into the space and uh, you know actually see this category. Which if you look at the broader cosmetic market, 
know, male skincare is still incredibly tiny. Yeah. But it is growing. And I always have a great saying, ships rise with the tide. And just like yeah. the gin market did, there was loads of, comp- you know, brands pushing that space and Fever Tree obviously were, were there too to, to benefit yeah, off it. Yeah. But the male skincare space is really only going to excel because of all these amazing entrepreneurs that are kind of yeah. championing it and talking about it and, and learning off it's each really other. F- it's really interesting you say that. And I, I've, in the, you know, the three seasons and the various people I've spoken to, there's definitely that that feeling. I, I don't sense, well, maybe people are quieter about it, but I don't sense the, the competition so much. I think, as you say, you know, people are wanting to support fellow brands and actually, you know, if they're sort of founder-owned brands and there's sort of challenges in the space, you know, everyone's got a sort of duty and they're looking out for each other to try and sort of, you know, push up against the big beauty conglomerates. You know, it's it's a, it, yeah, it's, it's a, it does seem like an interesting time, but, but a supportive sector. And I, I would say the same actually for, you know, the fragrance space as well. There's some really interesting, you know, independent and some founder-owned brands in, in that world doing a similar job of, you know, trying to sell the, the story of, of you know, provenance and, and good ingredients and, and trying to sort of, you know, paint a picture and be a little bit different to some of the big, the bigger brands. And yeah, I, God, I, I hope, you know, the, the, the more I do of this and the more people I talk to, it, it just does feel like a very sort of exciting time where lots of developments are happening. And, and, and you know, talking to mates and other men, you know, I think there seems like there's less resistance to this idea that, you know, a guy, why why shouldn't a guy have a a skincare regime and want to make the best of himself? And and as you say, you know, this this idea of self care isn't isn't restricted just to to women. And if it makes you feel better and sets your day up right, then it feels like a a good thing to me. So, so some of those barriers that were maybe there in you know previous decades or previous generations, hopefully that's that's changing. And you know, supporting some incredible brands who might be, you know, domestic brands and, and, and doing really innovative stuff in, in the space. It feels like, yeah, it does feel like a, a good time, I think. Oh, yeah, totally, Hayden. I think you're, you're doing an amazing job rallying around, that, really rallying around that. But yeah, but don't, don't get me wrong, I, I still want to win. And I, yeah. Yeah, there's, the, there's definitely a competition against all the other yeah, brands out there. And <laughs> You'll be friendly to a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but, 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 you know, at the same time, we're so dwarfed by these, you know, huge multinationals yeah. that have such strongholds, and I, and I think and now marketing power oh, and yeah. oh, totally. But but with social media and direct consumer business models, you know, you you can you can find your tribe, and, and yeah, and unlike probably some previous brands, I am really laser focused on who that demographic is and 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 what they get up to and why they buy Baz, and not to say that a brand that David Beckham might do might be good, but that, that's a different audience. And I think you've got yeah. to find that tribe, yeah. whoever they are, and cultivate them. And, and I believe, you know, in, in our tribe, we, we've got enough people out there that are into that natural skincare and, and they want to make a, a positive difference in, the, you know, in, in their day. Oh, right, yeah. and, it, and it must be that, mustn't it, I suppose, because we can't pretend that a lot of these brands I talk to, but certainly with, with Baz & Co, you know, at the moment, it's not... It's not the sort of three or four pound item that you would pick up in the high street chemist. So it's, yeah, finding your target market who want to, you know, have good quality products, but are also interested in the whys and, and the hows and, and, you know, getting a bit more into it, you know. That, but we see it in so many other sectors, don't we? Whether it's wines or cigars or food or anything, you know, people will pay a little bit more for good quality and 
when they know the the story of the the product itself, I think you know it's very interesting. You're you're talking about a, a certain demographic. I mean, do you do you see it? it presumably, it's not so particularly kind of an age thing. Is it more a kind of you know attitude to skincare that you that you find? Yeah, I definitely like looking at myself in my twenties. Getting me onto a skincare routine, I just be a complete waste of time. <laughs> um, so I so I definitely think you know we we. Out of all of our customers now, we really do well on, like, a, say, a 35 to okay. 55. Yeah. You know, we've got, we've got a few 70-year-olds, actually, that are looking great and using the, the mm-hmm. range. But that, the 35 to 55-year-old is a, is a great range. And then, you know, what, what attributes do they get up to, um, you know, um, and what, 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 are they, what, are they interest, what are they interested in? Um, I think, you know, for me, food is immensely important mm-hmm. to, you know, eating well. And we've always said... Um, you know, feed your skin a healthy diet of everything it needs and nothing it doesn't. And 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 that 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 sense of feeding your your skin and your body the right things, I think, is hugely hugely important. And diet, as we know, you know, especially through COVID, is you know is really important. And yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. It's, I've been it's seeing lots of I don't know, various sort of content creators online with this idea, you know, that some men, you know, why are they why are they sort of eating really good food and then putting really cheap rubbish on their oh. face and their body and it's yeah. there's a there's a tr- truism in that isn't there and i think it you know it's sort of if you follow the logic of wanting to put good things in then as, as you say you know it's kind of the 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 nourishment and the and the food and the for your skin you know makes sense to, to yeah. care about that stuff just as much doesn't it yeah and my, I, I used to nick tours skincare stuff and she used yeah. to bollock me and i think a lot of men out there have probably got oh yeah they probably dabbled in the yeah 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 and then and then now tour steals my things and the body go. wash and stuff. So there I think, go. yeah, I, I definitely think there's there's an occasion. I think people want their showers. You know, we've all invested maybe a bit more in our homes and we all want our showers to look really nice. And, you know, having a shower at home with a load of plastic on it, I don't think it sits too well. So having good, you know, sustainable packaging on your shower shelf and then products that smell that smell great put you in such a good mood. Yeah. Um, and, and I... I've always tried to champion cold showers too. So using our products with a cold shower, yeah. uh, if you can get through that one challenge in that day, again, it's like making your bed. It like sets you up for that for that, yeah. that motion in the day. And a lot of my mates have converted. They do the hot water half and then the cold water, which I think is kind of cheating. But yeah, um, and then get into the Wim Hof stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, the the, um, the food side of things. Back on that, I think you know, I think it's so important that. Um, you know that we're we're really kind of basing the brand around around a food culture. Yeah. Well, look, we will come back to Baz and Co. No doubt. But um, part of the podcast is to talk to the, the guest about some of the key items on their own bathroom shelf. And you said, you know, you went from nicking your wife's stuff to, I'm sure, having <laughs> your own regime. Now, it'd be great if you could tell me a bit about some of the products. Obviously, Baz and Co. will will feature heavily. But what does your sort of morning and evening routine look like in terms of products that you enjoy using? Oh, yeah, it's true. Well, I've, I brought you my little uh, wash bag, which we've done a collaboration with uh, Jack, but he's got an amazing company called Billy Tannery. And oh, they, I think I've seen... Uh, yeah, I think I've seen that online, Billy Tannery. Yeah, they make regenerative... Do they yeah. do wallets and leather goods stuff as, as well? Yeah, yeah, and they've done some, like, shoes, I think. Right. Ama- amazing business. Give them a Google. And the leather industry, you know, is 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 really unsustainable, and he's really trying to shine a light on on what they do. But yeah, we've developed this wash wash bag. Always love those like footballers when they come into the stadium <laughs> yeah, yeah, holding yeah, one, yeah. and if they could if they could hold a regenerative goat's leather wash bag, it'd be even better. But um, that'll be next. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in, in my wash bag, because I often 
I do like getting to the gym, so then obviously I need to bring my products. Is that first thing? Then? Yeah, I tend, I love exercising first thing. I can't, sometimes I'll do it a bit later, but most most of the time, in first thing in the morning, and I'm training to do this um, huge bike ride in April. It's called the 312 in Mallorca. Right. I've got a friend who sets us up to do the most stupidest, but then brilliant <laughs> challenges every year. You find yourself agreeing. Yeah, so... Um, what was it? What's 312? Uh, so 312 is 312 kilometres around the north part of Mallorca. Oh my God. And it'll be like a nine to ten hours, probably more, on the bike. And you've got to finish behind this pack of old boys that come in green jerseys and flush out the field and got to finish in front of them. But Are you yeah. a keen cyclist anyway? Yeah, so I'm so I'm in the gym a lot now, training for that, and yeah. I've got a good... I'm actually big on the peloton now. There's, oh, are there's you? a pro cyclist on there that... Um, it's an absolute wizard and um, been been getting fit and getting out on the bike. And so, yeah, a lot of training for the legs and um, we're trying to train like f- five days a week now. So in the gym and then, yeah, I've got my, I've got my wash bag of stuff. And normally I, I run hot, so I'm normally quite hot and sweaty, but it's like, yeah, trying to use a really simple bag that I can bring so on the go. what's in the bag? Obviously, we've got our Baz & Co stuff and I and, uh, won't bore on about those and how good they are. But um, yeah, so I've been using this like uh, natural deodorant, actually, and this is from Aesop. Oh, Aesop. Um, yeah. That small known brand that everybody loves. <laughs> so it's on their, their, their hand wash. Yeah. It's very expensive hand wash. <laughs> um, and they, this is great. I, I tend to, I, I actually stopped using deodorant during lockdown. Probably because I was living with my mum. But um, <laughs> she, uh, what, did, what did she say about that? <laughs> Probably, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't ask her. But but then realising coming back out in the world, and we've all seen how well fragrances have done, and you know, the, you know, some of the efficacies of things. And I definitely think as you get into the summer months. You know, your, your, your armpits are probably one of the most porous parts of mm. your body. But yeah, for me, this Aesop one is great. It's got some vetiver root in here as well. There's no aluminium salts, but it's a great natural deodorant. And, for and you're me, finding it to be really effective? Yeah, yeah. Last for the day. And it's a natural, like those natural roll-ons are great. But do, you know, if, if dudes have got like armpit hair, I find them a bit abrasive and yeah. don't really work too yeah, well. Yeah, catching the hair in them and all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. And then we had, I remember this crazy guy at school and his mum probably was a bit of a hippie and banned him from using aerosol canisters. And we were like, Chris is not wearing deodorant. Fast forward to today. and He I was thought, the clever one. He was the clever one. And I saw somebody <laughs> in the gym the other day with a big aerosol and I'm almost choking. And I, I know, it's horrible, isn't it now? That sort of fog of... Nasty stuff. T- terrible. And I looked on the back of the ingredients and I wouldn't dare eat any of those ingredients. Mm. So why would you put them on the most porous part of your body? Anyway, this, this ASAP one, I think, is a, does, the, does the job super well. It's, it's really good efficacy. Probably yeah, won't, won't last two days, but you know, who's going two days without a shower? So. I always think it's funny, isn't it, sometimes? Well, on those TV ads, they go like 72 hours. Like, you know, that you can, that the, your deodorant would last 72 hours. It just seems like, but what, why would you... Yeah, yeah, people just going to go to the gym and then not wash for three days or something seems bizarre. But yeah. anyway, but we all know that, that amazing Lynx advert and he, the dude's running down the beach and loads of girls are chasing. Yeah, him, I think so. Yeah, whether that advert could be allowed today, but um, uh, yeah, it, I, I think it's I still think, quite a powerful pull, isn't it? Yeah, I've said many times, my yeah, my fourteen-year-old still in that kind of Lynx phase, which he needs to. Well, I think he's slowly coming out of the other side of it, but yeah. So, so that that's like that's. Yeah, there's really interesting great that I use. And then, yes, yeah, smell-wise, I do I do love fragrance. Do you I, find yourself drawn to a, 
signature scent or do you mix it up or how do you choose well, in, fragrance? In here today is actually, God, I'm backing all the big multinationals, aren't I? This the, is the, the, the Labo and I obviously love smelling like a Brooklyn hotel lobby wherever I go out. <laughs> Don't but, we all? Yeah, but this Santel 33, I think, is, is, is wicked. and yeah. actually, But it's a hit for a reason, isn't it? Because it smells great. Oh, yeah, it's, it, this is great. But I've been really into this brand called Rook Perfume. Yes, I yeah. know. He's, um, isn't he a surgeon? British brand Rook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's a, isn't he a doctor and a actor? Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah, and a perfumer. Yeah, so he. Um, I'd love to. I should get him on the podcast. You definitely should do. He's called Nadim Crow. That's and it, yeah. um, do you know him? We've spoken a few times, yeah. and his brother, I think, loves Baz. Um, but he, and Nadim is on. I think he subscribes to the Exfoliator. But um, yeah, Nadim is you know is doing amazing thing, and he's got this product called Undergrowth, which I love using. But I checked him on his description, and he always says it's like pulling fresh garden mint from damp soil. I mean, if that doesn't do it for you, I, yeah. I don't know what does, but um, that for me, and, and I, I can think, see that being your kind of jam. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's also like mood-wise, I'm like, that's probably a going out scent for me if I'm on a date night with Tor and we're going out, I'd love to put that on. But, mm. you know, um, this like Santal with, you know, probably I'm a big vetiver like fan. This is probably an everyday, I wouldn't mind cracking this on in the gym. And, and not like choking everybody out with the smell as well. But yeah, that Nadim's doing great things. And I, and I, and I again, we go back to subconscious. I think, you know, using perfume to really enhance your day and put you in a great mood is, you yeah. know, is great. And smell, what we learned with Chase Distillery with our pink grapefruit gin, you know, things have got to look great for Instagram. They've got to taste amazing, which is really key, but they've got to smell great. And some of what we knew, the, some of the best gins that were selling in the market were because they transported people on holiday and when, yeah. it's, when it's pissing with rain outside. It's miserable here. White City. Pop the bottle and take me to Spain. You know, <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's, yeah, it's quite seductive, isn't it? That idea of being transported through through scent and whether that's, you know, your your kind of shower gel in the morning or, or fragrance or deodorant or whatever it is. It's evocative. It's, it's, yeah. it's inspirational and that's what we all need a bit of that in our lives. Don't totally, say. totally. And in terms of shaving and, and grooming, James, where you've got a, a sort of very tight stubble there. Do you tend to leave a little bit of stubble all the time or do you, do you ever go completely clean-shaven? What's your policy with shaving? Um, What's your shaving policy? Yeah. After I've shampooed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I went bold from... Um, probably I was about 18 when I started to really lose my hair. Were you? And, and but that, you still... Because I mean, it might, might sound odd, but I have had guests on who... who <laughs> Don't have much hair, but they still shampoo. Do you? Do you not? Because uh, it's you know still the the skin there. And if I've had an argument with Victoria, I might nick some of hers and <laughs> <laughs> use her expensive shampoo. I um, yeah, no, I I I don't I don't at all. And um, do you know anything on it? No, no. I, I obviously the exfoliator for my face, which then covers my forehead and top yep. part of my head. Yep. But I um. Yeah, it was really tough when I never really talked about that too much. But when I was ACS, just when I was kind were of you finishing, were you self-conscious about? It? Oh, it definitely affected me then, and I and I went through like a few years of like getting down and the whole like um, Donald Trump side parting <laughs> things, and then because nobody really grow like that, and your mates are you know a bit a bit tough on it, and then a lot of my mates now you know hair loss and thinning and everything else is is a, is a huge problem for men and it's and that's a big sector isn't it now there's this stuff you can well products for a start and then you know transplants and all the all the things around that it's a oh, big old sector huge i had this friend the other day and he was in the gym and he's like chasey i'm i'm gonna do it i'm gonna get a hair transplant oh yeah and he booked it in i was like mate what the fuck are you doing that's just <laughs> Not natural, and and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna, you've got to think more long term. He was plugging a natural brand himself, and I'm like, you, 
Because it only lasts your... a certain amount of years, is that right? Totally. And then, and then back on the kind of the product front, a lot of them are laced with chemicals or pills. And yeah. again, that's not right. And it's an easy thing just to say, shave it off. And when I was young, it was easy to do because I, you know, I was young. And you, you, when you're that age, you don't think five minutes ahead of time, right? But yeah. as you get older, you, you know, you, you get weathered by views and different things. And um, yeah, it's hard for blokes in their 30s and onwards. It's, um, it's a very self-given. Some faces look different because you've, You've looked like that for years, right? Mm. And suddenly you're, suddenly you're changing. But I know that's the that's the way I look, and I'm, I'm happy with it. I think it. you and, you kind of soup that close cropped, and and, oh. and you keep the you keep the stubble similarly similarly short. Yeah. You? So back to your yeah. back to your shaving. Yeah, I've never gone wet shaving, but I would maybe I I try I would like to try that. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons David Beckham's been so successful is because he he changed his lid, he changed his haircut every few yeah, years for every football club. But I, I I'm. Yeah, contact lenses I don't work well with because they're just they're fidgety. And mm. I'd imagine for me, shaving, I, I definitely will be cutting myself or or doing something. So, I, yeah, I use like a really a Bayless super sharpener. I actually, I, I I get a new one every six months because I either lose it somewhere or I, I like to keep them bristly keep sharp, sharp and yeah. sharp. Yeah. And then I just cut that to like, yeah, quite a short length. So how um, often would you use that then? Twice a week. Yeah, okay. I do miss the hairdressers. I mean, I'd, I'd love to go one day. It'd be, be quite fun. I'd love, love a Turkish job on my... Uh, it is nice. Have stuff, you never so. done, sort of gone I'd and have a, sh a wet yeah. shave? It is, yeah, it is nice. Yeah. And they, yeah, the old sort of, the Turkish places that do the sort of flaming of the ears and all that yeah. stuff as well. As hey, but I'm, I'm quids in on saving, so, you know, all those... Uh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But I think it yeah. does suit you. I, I, well, I don't, I haven't seen photos of when you were younger, but I think it, you know, it's that, that style is kind of, it looks pretty sharp. Oh, oh thanks, yeah. Adrian. And I, and I think, um, I was chatting about this earlier, this guy is, is working on a sailing brand. And for me, sailing is, is quite linked. I want Baz to like link in with some of these sports that are, are you interested in sailing? Yeah, well, sailor? I, I think it's a great sport because it's sustainable and it's, mm. it's good. And we've been having some conversations with, with different sailors. And one of their biggest problems is, you know, they're, they're applying a lot of SPF every day. And yeah. I'm going to mispronounce it, but like looking out for mal malumomas yes. for, for skin cancer. And yeah. I think it's a huge thing that, you know, especially in the summer months, UV rays are, are super strong and we've got to be protecting um, ourselves. And I, and I really want our skin food to develop into an SPF. Originally, it was, oh, that was the idea yeah. meant to be SPF, but having a mineral-based uh, all natural one, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these sunscreens are packed with chemicals. Mm. But I know, like Malin and Getz have done a fantastic mineral-based yeah. sunscreen now. Um, it does stain your white t-shirt. I found out <laughs> over the summer, but that's definitely an area. Found out and, to your cost. And if if you're in the sun all day, I think you know that's the biggest form of effect on the skin is is sun damage, and to protect against that, I think is is mm. so so important. Yeah, great. Yeah. So you, I mean, you touched on it there in terms of what the what the future might be for Baz and Co. I mean, what what would you where do you see the brand going? And did you sort of see it expanding into women's stuff or just, you know, keeping it to a men's range? And have you, you know, I'm sure you've got, you don't have to reveal them. I'm sure you've got other, other plans in place for, for, for further products. Oh, de definitely. So, like, yeah, being really honest, we are developing a natural deodorant, great, um, great. which uh, which is great. So I can swap out the ASOP and get some bats in. <laughs> yeah. um, Save uh, some money there. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's like a great fourth step in, in the routine. Yes, um, yeah. Uh, and ours is fantastic. We've just done a, a private study with a group of Baz customers. Um, oh, I think I saw that. Yeah, you got people to test it out. It was amazing, Hayden. It's gone well. And um, instead of like, I, I'm a great believer in like user market fit and figuring mm. out what the customer wants. Mm. And, you know, there's a small business without doing a big purchase order for 
thousands of units. We got some testers made up. We did an email the other Sunday. You can get um, that kind of quick and ready to feedback. Totally. Yeah. And, and with, I just asked them to pay for the packaging and within five minutes we'd all sold out. So they've got the samples at home. They'll be getting a Google Doc as a questionnaire and I'll be getting some really good feedback in for the brand which I'll now utilise, sign off the final liquid and then, um, yeah, we'll hope to get that out for kind of late spring, early summer. So perfect for, for that good. kind of time of it's year. It's so great, isn't it? I mean, I think you'd imagine at some point, you know, having to spend <clears throat> thousands on market research companies and sitting the other side of a, you know, two-way mirror and all that and how, you know, you get that kind of that, that instant feedback from people who care about your brand and interested and want you to do well. Oh, right. t- totally. And I think people do care and they, they want to get behind a brand. I mean, I'm, I'm staggered the amount of reviews. I've never hardly left a review and I'm just staggered the amount of reviews. We get essays of people coming in and writing reviews and I must really mean like they like it. And I think, I think consumers, are, especially the, the public, are really opening up to you know, finding a good brand they like and if it's independent, really getting and championing it. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. So, yeah, in terms of we, we've got a lot of work to do in the UK. I think the market is is, is huge in the UK for where we are, and you know, um, for for men living in cities, that's our that's our bread and butter. Mm. Um, we we need to really um, penetrate that. The tension in 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 our category is men. I think find it quite awkward to shop for skincare. So I knew there was a stat with Bulldog, and they said you know seventy percent of their purchases in Sainsbury's were women buying for the man at home. Right, okay. And th- things have changed now, and that, that's what makes direct consumers so compelling is because men find that quite comfortable. That mm. you can get some and product. you have subscription offers, don't you? Where yeah, we can get regular. Exactly. So we've got a subscription, um, sell online, and they get a beautiful. Yeah, we've got some um, fantastic. Uh, reuse cardboard and and, and mm. glues in all of our packaging, so it's it's sent straight out. And for me, we want more retail. We we've just got listed in Fortnum Masons and going to be oh, doing going to be doing something for the King's coronation, which should be quite fun. That's a little corner shop in Piccadilly, um, which is great. <laughs> John Bell and Croydon have been a great ambassador to men's oh, skincare, and they've yeah. got a whole section by the till, yeah, which which Sasha there, the buyer, is doing an amazing job for the category. And then yeah, it's, it, they they do seem like they pick very well, don't they? And they're great buying. And, 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 you know, I went in there and just thought, you know, a lot of friends of the podcast, you know, people I talk to, but it just all the kind of brands that I'd seen online that I like, it's, it's all there, isn't it, in one store? Yeah, yeah, they do an amazing job. And then, look, we, we partner with, like, male stores as well. So my buddy on Savile Row, uh, Cadden the Dandy, and he um, he carries Baz & Co products Great. in there. We're, uh, yeah, potentially doing more work with him. It makes sense, doesn't it? You know, all these places that are going to have your target market, go walk, with, yeah. walking, go, go, go and find them there. Yeah. Be available where people yeah. want your brand. And yeah. I think that for men, you know, it's very hard and cost of acquisition online is, you know, I'm sure it's very, very hard thing for, for a lot of brands right now. But so to, to get out there and we need, you know, we need that omni-channel approach where mm. we need good, good retail space. And then, yeah, in America, we trade with Amazon, uh, which is great because we've got a few fans of the brand out there, but we're not, we're not working on that model here in, in Europe. And then I'm just working with a few export markets. But at the moment, without being distracted, I've got so much work to do in, in the UK. It be so interesting. Yeah. Know, full of admiration for brand founders. It feels like there must be so many pulls on your time. You know, there's the supporting the work you're doing now and tr- making sure that's growing. But, you know, thinking about new products and, and new markets, you must have to, you know, yeah, it's, it's, get up early. Oh, it's a def- definite balancing act, but yeah. I don't... I, th- I do think like focus is, is is super important and building that community, whether it's two people or whether it's a million people, it's like being laser focused on, you know, what their needs and wants are and mm. checking in with them. And that's something I've I've learned 
And you've done it before, haven't you? So. Yeah, but it, 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 in, a, in, a, in a digitally age, you know, three, four years ago was a long time away and the consumer's mm. advancing all the time. So it's how we can get better at um, you know, serving our customers and then, yeah, keep keep on innovating, whether the, that mix is the right one or we, we keep bringing new products out. But ultimately, um, if it doesn't work, like with Chase, we had a graveyard of products that we started mm. and uh, like a nettle vodka and it, it didn't work, but yeah. we tried it. We did a horseradish gin for the Savoy didn't really sell well, but it made the most amazing Bloody Mary. Yeah. So you got you got to try yes, these you things. To, don't you? You've got to fail and fail fast. Test and develop. Yeah. 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 And that's I think that's a super key formula for any fledging brand, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And and in terms of I and mean, we talked about men in this space, I mean what how do you see uh, how do you think we can bring more men into this kind of simple Routine, you know, what's what's the work that, that a brand can do in terms of you know educating men of, of what they need to do? Is it about having your brand in these these different touch points, these different spaces? You know, is... I think I think it's a bit of everything. I think mm. the, the category is growing. I still don't think that we we will see men shopping the, the way that females have, have shopped, and that's whole customer service. Now, I could could be wrong, but and I think brands like Aesop do incredibly well in terms of their stores and how. Um, normalized it is, but I don't think there's anything wrong in that. In that, and those type. shops are great. It's like Aesop's are great because it doesn't it doesn't feel like as a man you're entering a, a female space. Do you know what I mean? It's not it, it. You know, it's they're very deliberate with their color schemes and how they merchandise the the products and everything. You know, I, I don't think I would anyway. But I don't. I, I certainly don't feel like well, I'm in the wrong place and I'm going to get funny looks. And, and maybe that's, you know, that's important, isn't it? And it's, it's difficult to do sometimes, you know, that idea that you've got, you know, go that side for women, this side for, for men. But, you know, the brands that are like Lalabo and Aesop that we've talked about that are kind of promoting this sort of, you know, gender-free idea or at least a, a space that, you know, everyone's welcome in, which isn't the case everywhere. Yeah, totally. And we're, we're in a few conversations with some amazing gyms at the moment. Oh, um, really? We're not a unisex brand, but there's definitely some male, more male-focused gyms. There are these um, banyas that are getting more popular now, and Guy Ritchie and... This, what, what are they? It's a banya, uh, with, with Russian-based, but you, there's one in London owned by a Ukrainian. In, and in that, that part of the world, their culture very much is to bathe in a sauna, okay. sit in a sauna with the mates. Right. And a safe, they do like... Um, this one in London, they've got two now, but they've, they've, they do like men only on like... Tuesdays, oh, so like Thursdays, a, like a sauna, yeah, a sauna, and there's a plunge, cold, cold plunge pool, okay. and then they've got birch leaves that they can thrash you around <laughs> with. But right. it's, it's like spaces where men go and download, uh, and, sorry, offload, yeah. you know, and chat to each yeah. other, which I think is really important, and like community, you know, and that's what I missed in Chicago. That was one of my values that I, you know, I, I realised that because I'd, I'd unplugged family and friends and my support group, yeah, that was hard, and I think you know self-care and mental health immensely important for men and to yeah. to have these spaces where they can go to and often you know that's like group exercises or or these places like a banya is really important and can baz and co fit into that yeah. and then i wouldn't know uh, a lot of my friends tell me but yeah like grooming parlors and 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 you know hairdressers they're, they're popping up everywhere the amount of barber shops i see now is yeah. amazing and they're chatting to each other. Well, that's, yeah. yeah. When I'm peering in the window and looking at them. No, it's, it had um, Andrew Cannon from the Ruffians, sort of high-end barber chain, on a few weeks ago, and was saying exactly that. You know that, that, that these spaces where men can, you know, have real conversations and and uh, which can be a you know a pressure on the the barbers themselves, but you know a, a place where men can 
offload and and you know have conversations that are where someone can listen with a sort of open ear yeah really important and say you know obviously there's pubs and bars and restaurants and everything else but it's interesting we're talking about these these banyas and and barbers you know it is useful to have places that aren't just about getting pissed mm. to have conversations yeah. with with men oh you know? t- totally like that the pub's always been great with that but you know lives are changing and people yeah. are drinking less and, and there's less pubs around <laughs> less less pubs around and that, you know to I've, it was great with the distillery because we had cocktail bars that could really showcase our brand. Um, with Basm Co, you know, finding those establishments, as we've talked about, is is, is harder. Um, but you know, but it's it's definitely a job, and it's getting on our radar to to, to find those to find those mm. places. And like I know my wife, she probably chats to her mates about skincare and what what brands they use. But men chatting between yeah. each other, what brands they use, yeah. it's definitely happening, and they're they're talking more about it. But um, Definitely time will tell, and I think people are being proud. And that's why I love in the gym, and I often, I'm probably that weird guy in the corner, but I always, if someone is there and I chat to them what brands they're using. Or, oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> bit of market yeah. research. Yeah, exactly, yeah, a <laughs> bit of market research. And it's, yeah, it's interesting that people, if you if you have a brand, you like you like to talk about it. And I've read this amazing book, um, it's called The Purple Cow. It's like a marketing book. I think it's by Malcolm Gladwell. And oh, yeah. He like talks it. about the word, like, sneezers. And if you're a sneezer, you're like, you love a brand and you, you love it. So like I've got an allied bike, which is my road bike. And yeah. I, I just tell everybody about As it. As in you I, spit like it out sneezer. there. Yeah. Yeah, the sneezer on that brand. And yeah. then I've got other brands in my life that I probably don't tell because I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a true, I'm a, I love it, but I'm not a true loyalist. Mm. And can men be sneezers on, you know, on skincare products mm. or to do that? And I think, I think it's starting to uh, definitely certain, you know, um, communities talk about what aftershave they use. And yeah. oh, is that you using that one? Or because we were, I was in the pub last night actually, and this, my friend was wearing Creed Aventus, and he was, he was sneezing about it. He was telling, it was boring everybody. Off <laughs> Those Creed it, so. guys, they love yeah. it. They love talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's no, exactly. that's what I want Baz and Co to be. Is like want people to be sneezers on the brand and talk about the brand and open that dialogue with people. I think they will be. And I, I yeah. think, and it's, I was funny, I was at an event the other day, actually, and, and I, I got a bit of challenge where I was saying, well, you know, maybe men aren't, aren't sort of as interested in, in, in the kind of story of brands and, and women, as she's saying, oh, you know, men, what she was finding was that men get quite into the kind of under the bonnet and into the, into you know, like they would about a car or something like that. And I suppose with something like Baz & Co, you know, the, the more people can find out about the the actual, you know, story behind it and how, how it works and, and the vertical farming and all those things. Yeah. It's quite interesting points. And I think things like that, you know, I would be much more interested in finding out the background of a brand like Baz & Co than, you know, a, a big multinational, which doesn't seem to have the same... Sort of rich story behind it. So, I, I, you know, and as we've said already, I think men are getting much more comfortable having these conversations with with friends, and and uh, I, I can definitely see that happening with with Baz and Co. Um, get to that stage in the podcast where we we talk about the man in the mirror and and who looks back at you. So, I wonder with you, James, you know, when you're doing your morning routines or evening routines and you're looking in the mirror, you know, how, how do you feel about your appearance at your life stage now? No, you, you mentioned the feeling a bit tired and, and weary because of uh, Clara being a, a newborn, but uh, when you look in the mirror, what, you know, what are your thoughts when, when James looks back at you? Uh, I don't, yeah, those bags under the eyes today was, uh, was, was a different one. I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think I've grown to get used to it and as I said that like losing my hair when I was younger was like was really mm. tough but I how old are you now James? Uh, I'm 33 now right yeah 
it took me a while to answer that. So yeah, still, still a, well, young at heart. And um, look, people, there's, there's a great saying that somebody said the other day, because there, there's been all this talk about, you know, Warren Buffett being a hugely successful guy, but yet he has a Coca-Cola and a McDonald's every day. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, look, look what he's still trading at the age of like, you know, I think he's in his 90s now. Um, but that, it's not, that's, and he doesn't do any skincare or any of his mm. like wellness stuff, but we're, we're in different times. People will need to find out what works for them and what doesn't. We'll send him some um, Basm Coat. We'll send him some Basm Coat. <laughs> I know that skincare routine has helped me uh, in my journey and, and fighting, you know, the demons mm. and getting through that. And they, you know, and they, they all often say, you know, when you're born, you're, you're given that loaded gun and it's up to you, you know, what you do with the gun mm. and when you pull the trigger. And, and I think for me, you know, aging, a lot of those tech guys now are really into, into like reversing the age and yeah, yeah. doing that. And I've been really careful not to go into efficacy too much with Abbas Co because I don't, you know, I don't want you to use this and, and it, that's why I'm not a huge fan of things like the eye creams or so the eye rollers and things. Cause for me, it's not about the efficacy. We're all going to age differently and we've mm. all got a different time zone to take that on. But for, for me, it's that like making your bed every morning. It's that morning habit that subconsciously gets you into that routine of eating well, exercising yeah. and, and makes you feel good. Yeah, and doing the right things. And like I had a, somebody at school always said, you know, we want people to be coming out of school, you know, have, treading that fine line between arrogance and confidence, but feeling confident. And yeah, I do look in the mirror now and some days it look looking a little tired, but on the whole, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy and I'm definitely, when I check in with myself, that's that's my important thing. And I, mm. I, I check in with myself and who I am and what I'm doing. Yeah, no, I, th I think, yeah, I think I think it's good. And I, I was saying to you, we do these adventures every year. And I've, I've got like, um, I was looking at myself the other day and I've got like, I, I didn't quite break my nose, but um, I hit my nose. And I've, I've, there was like a little thing I was feeling self-conscious about the other day. And like, no one can see it. It was just under my bridge of my nose, which is a bit, a bit inflamed. And I might always have that. And I... Um, we were training for this hill climb and you know there's like balls in the gym that you throw on oh, the yeah, floor yeah, yeah. and they're meant to stay down yeah. <laughs> the idiot the coach that was it was in like a high altitude training center and i freaking slammed this ball as hard as i could back on the floor and it came back at came straight up me here and i've got like a concave in my nose oh. you know, and I'll, I'll always have that and i watched there's louis through um it's done like a recent interview program and he interviewed bear grills and, oh, I saw that. Yeah. Bear Grylls for like, you know, now he's eating meat again. He's such an amazing ambassador for young kids. And he said, look, when my time's done, I want to be taken out of the room in a stretcher, warts and all, and like covered in bruises and everything. And I think like, I was just looking at that bump and I was like, I'll probably always have this in my nose for the rest of my life. I don't want to go to Harley Street and get it changed. Yeah, it's got a story um, to tell, hasn't it's it? Got, it's got a story to tell. And yeah. I think, um, you know, you, you've got to roll with the punches. And I think you, to finish your point off, Hayden, I think you've got to be happy with yourself mm. to, to, to be happy and kind to other, to other people. And yeah. I think that's love yourself, love, love other people. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get to say. So. I totally agree. And, and obviously fitness and looking after your, yeah. your body and, and mental yeah. health is important to you anyway. You've, you know, you talked about some of the, the things you do and build into your routine. So you're obviously someone that believes, you know, looking after yourself is going to help you feel good. Oh, de definitely. And I try and, you know, speak um, to lots of people about that but it, it's really what works for you there's nothing like a fitness ball or people, yeah, people yeah. telling you like what to do but I, I know it works for me and I know that you know if I regularly train in the morning I, I will probably generally have a more productive day and, and, yeah. and be a better better self but do what do what makes you happy yeah. sounds good yep. and the final thing James as I ask every guest what is it that makes you happy and brings you joy 
I mean, I might have a little guess on this, but I'll, I'll ask you. <laughs> um, yeah, so like we just had baby Clara um, at the end of Jan, and that means that's that's the number one thing I want to like double down on family time and mm. um, raise. So you've, you you you're trying to make some shifts in terms of you know carving out more. Well, you have to, don't you? Make more space for that, and and you know your your schedule changes, doesn't it? To, to that you need to make more time for family. Yeah, definitely. I think the role of a modern father has changed. I mean, I was totally. changing Clara and I think my dad was there and he like, looked like a ghost, like he'd never done that before. <laughs> and I think like the, the change in generations of yeah. men being more involved, yeah. I think is hugely important. My, my wife, Victoria, is really hardworking and she's already back to work um, on her laptop. So technology really helps change that dynamic. Mm. Um, but you, yeah, you've just got to be more organised and planned when you're... Right, you know, I, mean, I hadn't thought about this, but I suppose, you know, in... in you know, maternity leave and, and things now. In this new sort of hybrid era, you know, it, it's, it, it would be very strange now if, it, if, if a guy just left it all, you know, if, say you were both working from home or doing this kind of hybrid arrangement. Yeah. It's quite hard now to be that guy that says, all right, you know, you can do all that. I've, you know, I'm going to go upstairs and work here. You, you, it has to, I imagine there has to be a bit more of a, a balance these days. It's only right. Yeah, t totally. And, you know, it's that shift of ladies working and, and the pressures of, looking after a baby, you know, has on the relationship on mm. mother mother itself. And I've, I've seen that firsthand. And yeah, I definitely think like, especially multinationals, for instance, like even uh, talk about Diageo and their, their maternity policy now for both men and women is, I think it's, you know, it's about six, mo six months map cover. So these corporations... share it out, can't you? Now? Yeah, the, these yeah. corporations are really, really understanding that. Yeah. And I think paradigms definitely change and whether yeah. that mother then still wants to stay with her family and, and do that or, or go back to work. And, and I think... Time, times are definitely changing, and there's, That's there's, for sure. and I think working from home is, is definitely, um, you know, def definitely helped that. But yeah, so, so Clara's joyed my life and, and family, and both of my in laws and, and my parents, you know, spending as much time as I can with them. And um, are your wife's family sort of close by as well? They, yeah, they're out, they're out in this beautiful place near uh, West Wickham, which is a um, beautiful part of the world. And one day I think we'd, we'd like to probably be a bit out closer to them, but for the moment, you know, we're in, we're in London, which is. Where's which is amazing. There's a West Wickham near me in Kent. Is it not that one? No. So that's in Bucks in yeah Buckingham. It sounded really yeah. nice. I was thinking I live near West Wickham. And it, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I live near the other West Wickham. Um, Sorry, where is it? Uh, uh, so I up near so High, High Wickham, okay. close to Marlow, Henley, oh, and got you, got you. we um, we love it there. And you know the country air is you know fantastic. Um, and and then yeah, on the whole, I think I'm focused in in a space now where we're trying to make people's lives better. And um, you know I want to positive in, impact through um you know innovative farming and shining a light on on that through product and product and brands you know if, if you don't vote for politics make sure every marketing dollar you have yeah vote with your pound and and vote for you know vote for the right brands that are doing the right things for the planet and we're lucky with that now there there is a lot of greenwashing and bullshit out there that i can't stand but yeah on the, on the whole there's, a, there's loads of positive things happening but you've got a real change. you've got a real genuine story to tell haven't you that you know there's there's not much bullshit here it seems you know seems pretty pretty straightforward in terms of what you're doing oh thanks Hayden yeah. that, that means a lot and I yeah. think um you know I want people to scratch a little deeper yeah with brands and if they scratch a little deeper with bows they can see like a an onion with so many different layers and mm. and, and, and tick boxes. but I think yeah I think consumers are definitely doing that more and I think you know brands that are coming along now it's an important piece of the puzzle and it would seem odd now for a, a brand in this you know skincare beauty space to come along that didn't at least have something of those, you know, clean and sustainability uh, things covered off. And, and it's obviously 
you know, a- absolutely at the heart of Baz & Co. But um, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me here to, to your workspace and, and having a chat. And yeah, I'm loving the products and I'm going to put more information about Baz & Co and some of the things that we talked about in in the program notes so people can check it out. But um, in the meantime, thank you so much and um, wishing you every success with with the brand and, of course, with baby Clara. Thanks, Thanks James. Thank you. Huge thanks to James there. Um, so interesting to, to talk to him and a little glimpse into the future, I guess, of, of what farming and, and even you know beauty and skincare could be with how raw materials and, and ingredients are grown and you know using all his experience from his farming background. And I, I love that idea of, sort of the skincare farmer. Thanks to James. Really, really enjoyed chatting with him. If you want to find out more about Baz & Co, you can do on Instagram. They're at Baz & Co Skincare. And that's all spelled out. So it's B-A-Z-A-N-D-C-O-S-K-I-N-C-A-R-E. So all spelled out Baz & Co Skincare. And on their website, they're bazandcoskincare.com, where you can find the product range and more information. And I'm sure there'll be more information about what's coming soon. And you can sign up if you want to find out more about Man in the Mirror. I'm at Man in the Mirror Pod on Instagram. And you can find out about previous guests, previous episodes, and things that will be coming up in the future. This is the last episode, actually, in the current run. I'm going to take a, a short break over the Easter period and just recharge my batteries and find some new guests and plan some more episodes and um, work on the pod. But look, I hope you've enjoyed this season. I think it's been some really, really good guests. And um, yeah, there's previous episodes to go back and have a listen to if you're missing it in the in the coming weeks. But I'll be back in, in early May with the next season. And I've got some great guests lined up for that. So in the meantime, my thanks to James. And of course, as always, my thanks to you for listening. And I'll see you very soon in May for more Man in the Mirror. Take care.